This is the story of my descent into Northern California's dark underbelly and how a little boy grew to maneuver, manipulate, and eventually escape from far beyond those borders. My name is Jason Farias, and this is my Madness Method. Hey, word on the street, I'm a suspect. Hanging with the killers in the projects. Tato on the barrel, keep quiet. Hello, everybody. This is Jason Farias, and this is my Madness Method. So, there are rules, right? There are rules in life, rules in nature, rules even in an industry that lives outside the rules. There are common rules for the latter. Okay, anyone that's ever listened to Tupac or Biggie or Snoop or or Nas or any of those rappers know exactly what I'm talking about, right? We all kind of learned our game from the rappers. What I learned in this entire adventure of my 20s, right, <laughs> is that everyone has different rules that are reactionary to scenarios that they've encountered. I mean, look at look at my my first interaction with cops, right? That that worked out to my favor. And in theory, I guess it shouldn't have, right? But but you hear these grandiose stories, whether you watch them on television or or you've read them or heard them. And I just rolled the dice, and and it worked out. Look, just because that worked out, it, it it's gonna preface my next statement. But the whole thing about don't ever talk to cops, I, I call bullshit, right? Anyone that thinks avoiding talking to cops altogether isn't within their right mind. It's not realistic to say I'm never going to talk to a cop because if you see a cop and you turn the other way and take off they're going to look at what the hell you're doing you're going to have your priorities messed up if you think you're going to be able to avoid them altogether. buy those guys a fucking coffee say hello when you walk by there are people too and and remember they remember positive interactions equally they respond to negotiations just like anyone else who found themselves in a precarious spot proof is in the pudding right the problem we have today is that too many people are getting in the game for a fast buck and selling out people they've only heard about just to get themselves out of trouble. People might have heard of you once and know something about you, so now they're going to snitch on you because that's their get-out-of-jail-free. They got in this because all they wanted to get was the money. They didn't realize there's, there's rules to this shit. And this is where it's all falling apart. Not everyone's built for this. You have to be prepared to shut the fuck up and do the time. The people I ran with, if one person goes, they go down for all of it. That that was rule number one. Do the time and take the ride. Why is the whole team going to go to jail if one person can take the fall, everyone else can stay out, keep things running, and take care of that person while they're in? People are so quick to sit in the back of a cop car and be crying and start thinking about who you're already snitching out when there's always going to be one person in a scenario if you're dealing with cops and there's drugs involved. Somebody's going to jail. All it takes is somebody saying, it's all mine. Everything's mine. They don't know nothing. Everybody else shut the fuck up and everybody goes home. Case in point, I was prepared to and did put it all on the line for my squad when I approached Officer Chops the way I did. Could have gone either way. And I, I, I was prepared, or at least thought I was, for whatever the outcome. Or at least I would have had to have been. With that... Let's talk about the rules as I know them. Now, let's not get caught up all up in the weeds of the rapper's rules, right? Never get high on your own supply. Never sell where you to live. I already fucked all those up. Like, I fucked those up before I even started. 
let's talk about the ones that I hold close because of my morals and my beliefs. Believe it or not, I, I have them. I was raised properly, I guess, in the grand scheme of things, right? So, so rule number one was uh, shut up, take the ride, right? Be prepared. Rule number two, okay, never cut your dope. If you really want your name attached to garbage, I guess go ahead. But if you're cutting this stuff with caffeine, which is just going to burn all red and you're going to fuck it all up anyway, or if you're using MSM, which is just going to feather in the pipe and it only adds volume and no harm, okay, great. But why would you ever want bunk shit when you can have the best? If I was ever concerned with the quality of my dope, I'd wash it. Little denatured alcohol, little acetone, little heat, little smoke later, and all that's left is the good shit. I'll sacrifice weight for quality. Plus, helps me gauge my own supplier. This is also how you control distribution. You know when someone's talking shit, and you also know who's salting your name by cutting your dope. If they cut your shit so hard that people hate it, you know you have someone that needs to be cut off. We had this dude, Jeff. He was selling, quote-unquote, West Coast dope. and For whatever reason, that's what our dope's name was at the time. But he was mixing crank with under-the-counter chemicals and saying he got it from us when he started putting folks in the hospital. No one ever believed he got it from us because everyone knew how we treated our dope. So it was a non-issue for us. For him, there was that unfortunate night he got in front of that gray Ford Taurus SHO, but wounds heal. He's good. These aren't the kind of folks you want around you. They'll sell you out in a heartbeat. It's greed that does that. It's that greed for themselves that will make them sing your name. If they won't even bother to keep the dope semi-clean, they're, they're not going to save your name for nothing. You're going to be the first one that they're telling on. To that, you got to make sure you have your testers. Okay, You got to have a sniffer, you got to have a smoker, and you got to have a slammer. And, and then you'll know you let them all check it. If the cloud blows solid or the slammer coughs, you, you know you're in good shape. But if those two things don't happen... Uh, you've either got bad dope, you didn't clean it right, or someone has just stomped the hell out of it. And just for the record, like, I always clean mine and never cut it. But there's always room for a little cut when shit's real good. Just, just watch the results. Some people do it backwards and stomp the shit out of it and then put your name on it. Rule number three, no side busting. Don't ever take food from someone's mouth. Go get your own. Had Bobby... The guy we've been referring to as Dude, is his name's Bobby. I'm not going to keep trying to remember to call him Dude. Had Bobby not introduced me to his people, I would have never gotten to him. Going around your people is an endgame move. You don't go to them, and they shouldn't come to you. Unless they make the intro, then they broke the chain. How clicks now have spots, like certain crews run certain blocks. Back in the day, it was certain dealers serve certain buyers. Certain levels get served by different people. I started by dealing quarters and teeners. You know, a quarter is a quarter gram. Teener, 16th of an ounce. 114 quarters in an ounce, 16 ounces in a pound. Quarters went for 20. I would sell them at three-tenths, so people would prefer the quantity and quality. It's marketing. Teeners would range, but... If it was still good rosebud crank, I'd get 80 to 100 bucks a piece. Ultimately, I would move about two to three pounds a week or so. It, it didn't start so fast, but 
we would set up shops in other towns by spending time with acquaintances of acquaintances, but I digress. If you get hit up for something and someone on your team serves them already, you send them on. In, in all honesty, if if you know who their dealer is and if they aren't part of your crew, you you might still be creating an issue for yourself. You should still want to bounce them on. Is your hustle not tight enough to pass on a sale? Stop dealing. This ain't for you. Like, why isn't their dude serving them? Why are they even in front of you? Do they owe dude money? They better go pay that cat. I'm not taking another man's money. That's a no-no. And I certainly don't want someone else's headache. I got enough problems without some other cat trying to jam me up about money. Either they're a shit dealer or the buyer was a shit customer. Either way, I, I don't want any part of it. Rule four. <clears throat> you know, some of you might chuckle a little bit. Don't ever sell to kids. Now I know everyone expects that to be an unwritten rule, right? But it's not always the case, you know, and I'm talking more like teenage years. I wouldn't serve anyone under the age of 19, 20. You got to be smart enough to make your own decisions before I'm going to be part of your bad ones. I don't want to be the reason that someone's mama is brokenhearted. I'm not going to be the reason your life falls apart before it starts. And and I, I know 19 still counts as a kid, but if you're old enough to die for your country then you're old enough to get a little lit. I'm with that. I don't really have an anecdote or backstory to this. I I just knew that what I was doing was no good, yet I couldn't stop. But I didn't want to watch anyone destroy themselves if I could help it. I would warn any of my friends who wanted to try it to leave it the fuck alone and do something with themselves. I really wasn't a good drug dealer in this aspect at all. My mental illness kept me involved, and I just wanted to block out any newcomers. And this is where I also came up with rule number five. Don't ever be someone's first time. It's like taking someone's virginity, man. Avoid it. It's nothing but problems. You think buzzing your first nut was crazy or making a girl bust for the first time was entertaining? What do you think is going to happen when you introduce a chemical that elevates literally every sense to a place you'll never find in any other way? It's a dangerous game you're in, and I've seen grown women have orgasms just from getting high, okay? Only getting high. And if you gave them dope and you're following rule number two, you're in trouble, my friend. Like having a horny little chihuahua in flip-flops, man, it's, it's, it's a messy business. I need to contradict myself for a second on five. If, if you have someone in your life, well, not if you have, I, I hope you maybe had, someone in your life that you know is going to try it regardless and you're already following rule number two then it's it's kind of your duty to monitor the situation and make sure they're dosing it right and at least make sure they're doing it safely that that was how it was for me like i didn't want to see anybody like oh i'm gonna do it and some people just don't listen like hey don't touch this shit man but you know they're gonna do it anyway at least you know if you've got the good shit that what they're gonna take won't be any more harmful than it's already going to be. And and you can cut it off when you know it's been enough. Rule six, never sell to someone's girl. Okay, and this, this is an easy one. If you've ever sold to a couple and now the female shows up alone looking for the hookup, you better walk because why aren't they together hitting you up? What did she do to get the money? Is he expecting her to return with something? Will it be short and will it look like your fault? What is she willing to do for it? Fuck all that. You don't want any part of that. Tell her to kick rocks. Ain't nothing good going to come of a female trying to get high without her man. Just tell her to bounce, you bounce, whatever it takes.
So a perfect example, I, I once had this couple come to me and, you know, we were all cool. Everybody's friends and everything. And it was just like on a party style, you know, so it wasn't like they were constantly doing it. They kind of did it on weekends when they were going out partying and whatnot. And as it turns out, it, it grabbed her more than it grabbed him. And she used to show up knocking on my door, like, hey, let me get some. It's, you know, I'm grabbing it for both of us. And, you know, so I'd hook it up and, you know, she'd go off. But then she started coming more than he did. I believe his name was Aaron. Uh, I don't quite remember her name. Anyway, it started getting to the point. She was even showing at my door like, oh, hey, I only got $15. Can I get a 20? And now for, for 20, I, I was selling three tenths. You know, so most people that sell a quarter, 0.25, you're getting good. I've sold 0.3. Like, so my bags were always nice, even at the little level. My eight balls were four grams. We'll get into why down the road but in this instance she started showing up more often with less and less money and the dude came to me finally and was like yo what the fuck dude my girls all turned out and i was like what are you talking about bro she she came to me saying it was for y'all and and what i wound up finding out is that like she was way gone and well it it, it turned out she was homie hopping to get high um now Homie hopping, go, going to places where her man took her to get high and doing whatever needed to be done to get what she was looking for. Never with her man's interests at heart. Eventually, he came to me because he heard I sold her some shit. And I told him I had and, and why and that he needed to excuse himself from my sight because I don't answer to him or his dunk truck bitch. I did tell him that I won't be hooking her up anymore, and and I caught wind of some shit, so he may just want to cut his loss. I, I'll be honest, I, I, I kind of felt bad for the guy. Looking back on all these rules, from a 10,000-foot view as, a, as, as an adult, it's sickening to me that this all made sense. It's disgusting to me that... These were rules I operated by. This is how I dealt with people. And it made perfect sense. I felt like a good person because I had these rules. So the big rule, okay? There are there are plenty more rules we could get into, but I think we get an idea where my head is with all this stuff. I try to be as conscious as possible in a very dark world. I was a good kid. I've said it before, I'm, I'm good at making money and I take care of those around me, but unfortunately, there was one rule that needed to be decided far more early than I expected. To be honest, I, I didn't even really expect to have to make this decision, but unfortunately, this one was decided for me and it's it's the rule of what happens to folks when they break the rules. So there is no enforcement for what I do, right? There's nobody to call, right? We had to self-regulate. And you know what sucks about that is is I'm I'm both nonviolent and a rule follower. So so here's where my rule came from. I was a kind-hearted kid that thought the best of everyone. And yeah, I, I was clearly terrible at making decisions. But I really thought I surrounded myself with good people. And reality was that I hadn't. Story goes, my relationship with Bobby was deteriorating. I was told by my contacts, his family in the Bay Area, that he was getting off the rails and started shooting up the product, you know, I IV user. And there was now apparently a power struggle that I didn't know about. 
I guess Bobby wanted to be the man. And I never cared enough to think about that someone had to be the leader of a group of friends. I mean, honestly, if he would have just asked, I would have told everyone, yeah, 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 he's in charge or, or whatever. That's the guy. It was never about power for me, but there were clearly some plans in the works to tear me down enough that Bobby's own family came to me about it. I mean, they were pretty financially invested in me. It would be in their best interest to at least advise. They did say they wouldn't step in, which is fine. You know what the fuck I didn't expect? Ken to participate in Bobby's plan. Ken was my friend from long before this. In hindsight, he was one of the guys that introduced Bobby, and I never considered to ask where they found this guy. But Ken was like my brother. Like, we lived together when we were younger. We worked together. I, I was actually the first person he confided in back in 1995 that, that he was gay. And, and when it really wasn't socially acceptable at that time to be out as a gay man in a hick town, and it changed me fundamentally i i thought i was anti-gay and grr, 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 i'm a man man and and now i'm finding that i'm anti anti-tolerance and made me realize that what you want to put in your mouth isn't my problem so long as you're a good person he was my family and when i tell you i'm non-violent it it meant so much to me that he felt safe to tell me that i put hands on anybody that spoke ill of him Anyway, Ken invites me to, to Disneyland one July 2nd of 1996. And this is odd. You know, we're friends, but Ken ain't about spending money. So we go have a good time. We're there on July 3rd, and we're on our way home. And he says he can't make it all the way and insisted we stay in a hotel for the night. And it was like 2 a.m., so I, I, I kind of get it. And But we're only in Livermore, California. Like, Livermore to Manteca isn't far, but whatever, bro. It's your dime. The next morning, we finished a short little drive through the Altamont, and we ride straight to Bobby's, which necessarily wasn't the plan, but that's where we went because everybody was supposed to get together. It was 4th of July. And wouldn't you know it, if in Bobby's driveway is my girlfriend's car with her leaning against it and Bobby right up on her. She was clearly in last night's clothes, and, and full disclosure, I still want to push every woman in a jean dress down a flight of fucking stairs when I see him at the mall. It's Pavlov's or, or uh, I don't know, overreaction. This bitch fucked my business partner while my so-called best friend ran interference for him so that it could happen. You know, she tried to claim that it didn't, but missed me with that bullshit. It all came out eventually. Oh, we just messed around. No one fucking messes around that's older than 12, so let's just stop. In one shot, I lost my best friend, my girlfriend, and there it was, the beginning of the relationship with Bobby dissolving right in front of my eyes. All the people closest to me shit on me in one fell swoop. And you know, this was on the heels of her going out some other night with quote-unquote friends that came back and said they both fucked her and that I adamantly denied on her behalf that turned out to be at least half true. Look, let's not focus on any of the females in my life in these stories. Just know they played their role. These stories are going to come up often. You can only expect people to be exactly who they are. And females, from my purview, are untrustworthy. And, and, and let's be real honest here. It's not like I was turning into a great person, so it's not like karma wasn't trying to share some knowledge. I was never really good at reading signs anyway. From my perspective, everyone around me was turning on me, and 
I was just trying to have fun. I was just trying to keep the party going and, and put some food on the tables and, and the people I held most dear were my worst enemies. And maybe it was jealousy. Maybe it was the power struggle. I didn't notice. Maybe this entire thing is made up in my head, but I'll tell you what I, I broke that day. Uh, I'll never forget the feeling it. I feel it now as I'm telling this story, the, the embarrassment, the, the hurt, the, the sickness and the rage. And it was that day that I needed to determine how to regulate my life because I'd left myself vulnerable and it's never going to happen again. So I began to closely associate myself with people that would do terrible things on my behalf. You know, I, I sought them out. It's, it's an interesting position to have when you're me. I, I had the personality to get me where I needed to be to get things done for me. I wasn't willing to do myself. It's funny how when you portray yourself as nonviolent and preferably harmless, how people will step in on your behalf. I actually, a guy named Carrie, and God rest his soul, he and I became great friends, just getting high and hanging out. I would listen to his stories about his family and his ex-wife, and I would encourage him to get clean and get back to them. And all the while, I would feed him top-notch dope, and he would go off and put heads through the back of ceramic toilets because I would tell him a story about something that someone did to me. He was he was a big dude. He You could feel him in the room. He was 6'6", six, six, probably 250 pounds, solid country-ass muscle. And uh, he was also misunderstood. Like, we, we had some great conversations, and, and he and I really clicked up based on feeling like outsiders. He and I hung out for almost two weeks before he realized I was the J he was sent to punish by someone we'll talk about later. The reason he was hanging out in my apartment complex was he was sent to find me. I was outside my apartment and he asked if I knew a guy named Juan. That's who sent him. I told him I didn't, but that my name was Jason and he and I struck up a conversation over a beer. Now, my apartment complex was courtyard style, right? Everyone kind of hung out, so it wasn't unheard of. When Carrie figured out that I was the J he was looking for, I could tell in his cowboy boot clops up my steps that it was about to go down. It, it was just a different vibe. And see, I had learned who he was and knew I was in a good place or, or at least hoped I was. Carrie walked into my apartment and pointed. He goes, you're the fucking Jay. And I was like, fuck, all right, I'm, I'm dead. The dude hugged me. The, the man hugged me and said he couldn't believe anyone would send for me that way. It was the most bizarre situation, you know, but he also advised me Juan now has a headache. So wh whatever that meant. Uh, and then there was this guy, Nate, and we would call him the praying Nate, both because once he was high, he'd crouch in the corner like a praying mantis. And, and sometimes it even looked like he was praying. Nate would handle less menacing situations like taking down your security system so you can get touched. Or not, but the paranoia would be there, right? The value still existed. And then there were others, ones that I made lifelong deals with, ones that still have instructions and are still waiting for their time. You see, I, I'm not a shooter. Quite the contrary. I'm the man behind the curtain, making sure the lions get courage and the tin men keep their heart and sending Dorothy's dumbass home when she's too high. But now you fools out there getting immediate retribution or fucking killing me. 
You wonder why you get caught? Because everyone knows what happened to you and by who. And it just so happens something happens to that person. Guess who's on the hook, dumbass? I'm not that. You'll never have an instance of witness of my dirt. There are no witnesses. Most of the time I wasn't even there. Because what I preferred was waiting. Set milestones for your life. Wait for you to achieve something and make sure it gets taken away. Depending on what you've done, maybe mild, maybe severe. Shit, this whole thing we're talking about right now may be to just lure somebody out to speak out against me because that's their milestone and I'm tired of waiting. Maybe in a month, maybe in 10 years, doesn't matter. I'll wait. You'll pay your penance. Everyone will in due time. Because I love these people. And they all took advantage of me. These people knew me before we started all this. And they knew my secrets. They knew my family. And they knew how I felt about things. And they still did this to me. When I was 16, I wrote an essay at Central Catholic High School in Modesto, California. Where I would be in 10 years. It was a short essay. I wrote, I don't expect to live that long. The end. There was a whole parent-teacher conference about it. Like, it was a big to-do. Everything I had done. All the people I had touched for even speaking out against my friends. And they did nothing for me when this happened. Fuck it. You know what? I'm tired of trying to be a superhero. I always heard that when you aren't fed love from a silver spoon, you learn to lick it from knives. But no more. You can all fucking get it. Breaks are off. If I die, we all die. You want a fucking villain? You got one. This is Jason Farias. This has been my madness method. In the next episode, we'll dig a little further into where mental illness takes good kids. You guys take care out there. I'm in love with the moon.